Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. So I'm talking about loving life. And I love life. And I want to tell you why, because God has been really, really good to me. You say, well, you know, somebody told me about Barbara a few years ago. They're like, man, everything in your life's good. Why should you be? You don't know where we came from. It always hasn't been this way, but the picture on the inside will change the picture on the outside. And this has been a process. And so we've been talking about this scripture in 1 Peter 3. Turn here, verse 8 through verse 12. We'll read it. Finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one on another. Love as brethren. Be merciful and be courteous. He's talking about relationships, specifically the marriage relationship. You need to be merciful. You need to be courteous to your uh, in-laws, outlaws, and other kinds. Not rendering evil for evil. You know how to get chewed out? Chew somebody out. He said, he said, when somebody chews you out, don't chew them out back. But he says, contrary-wise, blessing. You should bless people. If you want to inherit a blessing, bless people. That's not always easy to do. Knowing that you are there to call that you should inherit a blessing. For he who will love life, everybody say, love life, and see good days. Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile or deceit. Let him hate evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Man, I don't want to be on the bad side of that. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. But we, we begin to talk about why do I love life? And I told you the reason I love life is number one, because God is good. And you know, I drove up to the bank the other day to do something for the church, and I saw this. I drive a forerunner, and there's an older forerunner out front, about the same color as mine, and it said on the back, God is good. And I walked in there, and there were two customers. I knew it was a customer, so I said, who's driving that forerunner out there? And this guy said, I am. And I went and shook his hand. I said, I love that God is good. And Praise God, we just struck up a conversation. I said, you know, I just preached a message on God is good. This is the foundation of why I love life. God is good. He's always good. He never changed. God is good. The, the word of God is true. The promise of God is real. I'm so glad that I found out there's a Bible full of promises that I could believe. Hallelujah. The word of God is true. Jesus is Lord. He's my Lord. He's the Lord of the universe. He's the eternal Lord, and he's the coming king and Lord of all. Jesus is Lord. And did you know what? We are blessed. If you're born again, you're blessed. Pastor Lawson needs to notify his face about what took place in his spirit. Hallelujah. We are blessed. I'm blessed by the Most High God, the possessor of heaven and earth. I'm blessed. My wife is blessed. My children are blessed. This church is blessed. I'm so thankful to God. God has been so good to me. Hallelujah. We need to start looking at what we have to thank God for. Hallelujah. So I said, how does that begin to work in our life? Well, last week, we talked about seeing good. If you're going to operate, love life. Number one, you need to have that foundation. 
But number two, you need to see things from a positive perspective. You know, Philippians, Paul is telling, he's right from a jail where he's been in prison for preaching the word. That's not very exciting, is it? But he writes, rejoice in the Lord, Philippians 4.4, always, and again I say rejoice, and then he tells us how to do it. But in verse 8, he says, whatever is good, whatever is lovely, whatever is honest, if there's any virtue, if there's any praise, think on these things. You've got to choose what you think about, and you have to replace negative thoughts with positive thoughts. Hallelujah. You've got to replace thoughts of lack with thoughts of provision. You've got to replace thoughts of provision, of sickness, with thoughts of health, thoughts of anxiety with thoughts of peace. You change what you think. You know, in Numbers chapter 13, Moses sent 12 spies. He chose 12 of the best that Israel had. 12 leaders, one out of every tribe. 12 of the best out of 2 million. And he said, I want you to go tell me about the land. Tell me about the people. Tell me about the fruit. Tell me about the fields. Tell me about the cities. And, and he told them right in there before they went, because he knows that people have a tendency to be negative. He said, and be of good courage. And when they came back, the 10 said, hey, it's a good land. It's got good fruit. It's got good cities. Praise God. It's got good fields, but there are big giants. And Joshua said, and Caleb said, you don't know the names of those other 10 because they didn't believe. You don't even know their names. But you know Joshua and Caleb. They said, listen, it's a good land. It's got good fruit. It's got good fields. Praise God. It's got good cities. And let's go get it. God is with us. However, the people, it says, the, the, the 10, they said in verse 33, we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so were we in their sight. You know, the way they saw themselves determined what other people saw about them, determined what other people said about them. And did you know you can change the picture on the inside of you. And if you change the picture on the inside of you, the picture on the outside will come and change. It will come and conform to the picture on the inside of you. In 1998, I sat in meetings in Billy Epperhart's church in Littleton, Colorado, and Mark Hankins was preaching, and Mark made me Because he was preaching about prosperity and he was preaching at a level beyond where we operated. I believed in economize to evangelize. Do you know my church board in Kit Carson? They said, Lawson, you don't only get the Lincoln face off the front, you get the Lincoln Memorial off the back of the penny. The borders that come, the, the laborers that come from across the border, they, they called me tight. <laughs> do you know what? Carla's saying, yeah, Carla remembers me. And did you know what? I had some of my mentors, some people that I, one person that I probably respect more than anybody in the world, this person said very, very negative things about me in my presence. It really bothered me. But you know what? I thought he doesn't know that the picture on the inside of me has changed. Hallelujah. And now those same people, they have retracted their words and they say the complete opposite about me. 
And you know what? It's because the picture on the inside of me changed. And if you change the picture on the inside of you, the picture on the outside of you will change. And so Mark preached some things that made me mad. Barbara said, he's right and you're wrong. You need to get over it. Amen. And I went and prayed. And in two days, it didn't take me a long time to change. It took me two days. God said, he's right. He repeated what Barbara said to me. The woman hears God. He said, he's right and you're wrong and you need to get over it. Mark comes down, preaches for me. He's on the legal board of this church and Mark thinks big. Praise God, you need some people that think big around you. And I talked to him about going on a different television network. He'd cost us about $100,000 a month or more. He said, you just got to believe God for $100,000. That's it. Really no problem. And you know, you need to be around some people that think big like that. And it helps you. Praise God. But you know, after Mark said that, I began to have these thoughts in 1998. And after I repented... You know, repent doesn't only mean to change your action. Repent means to change your thoughts. And if you don't change your thoughts, you're not going to con continue to change your action. I repented and I changed my thoughts. And I began to have thoughts after that, just shortly after that. If I could pastor this church in Kit Carson of a hundred people and give away $50,000 a year, which we did, it's a miracle. I can pastor a church of a thousand people and give away $500,000 a year. And you know what? It took 18 years for that to happen. It took till 2016. Now, nearly every year since 2016, we've given away, this church has given away $500,000 or more. So it took 18 years, but it happened. And did you know what? I am believing God for far more than that. But Jesse said something. He said it both here and he said it at the Bible school. He said, you should never attach time to faith. And he said, some of the people have left because they have attached time to faith. And when they don't see things in the natural, they're focused more on what they see. They're not focused on what they believe. And Jesse talked about, this encouraged me, this getting this jet. And he believed God for 13 years and he got it. And it's made a bunch of people mad. And you know, who cares? Do you know what? I personally, when everybody was criticizing him a few years ago and the world was, it was primarily started by the world. I said, Jesse, he said something to me, kind of half apologized. I said, Jesse, I don't care if you've got 10 jets. I literally don't care. Some of you that struggle with, with finances and wealth, you're going to really be challenged when you get to heaven. <laughs> because it is not a poor place. Glory to God, there is no problem paying the light bill in heaven. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> you know, when we moved in this building, it stretched my mentality. Because at our last building, it took, I took the utilities down from 15000 a year to 11000 a year. This one just almost cost that a month. Now, by the grace of God, we're getting a new roof, and we're get, going from R15 to R30, and by, I'm saying by the grace of God, we're getting a new air conditioning system. And it should cost over $4 million. We're already down to $1.3. We've all got, already got a great bid on the roof. But we're going to R30 white roof instead of R15 black roof. 
And I'm saying, by the grace of God, we're going to get this thing down to 1.1 million. By the grace of God. I said that five times. If God connected us to the right people, and it's coming together. It's already moving in the right direction. Amen? But we're going to get, and you know what? We will cut the utility bill here, and I'm thankful. I'm a good manager, but I hate wasting money. Amen? And we're going to cut our utility bill by 40 to 50%. And I'm thankful for that. But you know what? I told Andrew Womack, I said, Andrew, I don't know who's going to inherit your Bible school and all that stuff you're building. And you know, if Andrew Womack can believe for a billion dollars for new buildings, I can believe God for a few million to fix this place up good. And so, um, but I, I told him, I said, Andrew, and I've already got a few million Amen? Amen? But we, we, like to, we like to live on the long side. It's, you know what? You can believe to live off the top of the barrel just as well as live off the bottom of the barrel. And I learned that from John Osteen, and I've never forgot it. And I get criticized for that, too. But you know what? I, listen, I'm believing God, and God is helping us. And it's amazing what he's doing for us. But it says, he who will love life and see good, you've got to see good. And they said, we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so were we in their sight. And if you will change the picture on the inside of you, it will change how other people see you. And I've had the same people who criticized me in certain areas come back and praise me after a period of time in those same areas. And even when they criticized me, it hurt because I thought, they don't know that my heart changed, my mind's changed. I have renewed my mind, and it, it takes a little bit from when you renew your mind and start thinking it, right, to go there in the natural. But it says, he who will love life, let him and have good days. He said, let and see good days. You've got to see good. Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile, that they speak no deceit. Not only you've got to see good, you've got to speak life. And your words have power, whether you realize it or not. The Bible actually says death and life are in the power of your tongue, of the tongue. And those who love it will eat the fruit of it. Amen? But there's a process as we go through this. And it says in verse 11, let him hate evil and do good. And I, you need to hate the evil in your own life. Not just the evil in the world. And do good, let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. I guess I already read that. But when we, when we look at this, there is a process that works. And I want to take you to Joshua chapter 1. This is one of my favorite scriptures. And you know, it, the, the Bible is so simple. The gospel is so simple. It takes somebody, you know... <laughs> with a lot of unbelief to mess it up. And Paul said this, he said, I am persuaded, he said, I am concerned that they, you have corrupted the simplicity of the gospel. And I want you to read these scriptures. I'm going to talk about this process as we look at it. I call it the process of life. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 6 through 8, it says, Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shall you divide for an inheritance the land which I swear to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law 
which Moses, my servant, commanded you, turn not to the, to the right hand or the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This word of God shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein both day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. So when you look at this, there's a process of life. But before we get there, I want to look at something closely in verse 6. Notice he says, Unto the people shall you divide for an inheritance the land. Did you know what God is serious about inheritance? And God wants you to receive your inheritance. I want to show you a scripture in Numbers chapter 33, verse 55 and verse 56. It says this, If you will not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it will come to pass that those which you let remain of them will be pricks in your eyes and thorns in your side and vex you in the land where you dwell. Moreover, it will come to pass that I will do unto you as I thought to do unto them. Man, that is kind of strikes you. In other words, what he said, listen, I want you to possess your destiny. You know, I want to go where God wants me to go. I want to do what God wants me to do. I want to have what God wants me to have, and I want to say what God wants me to say. And he says, if you don't take your inheritance, somebody else will, and you may get what the enemy was supposed to get. So God is serious about you receiving the inheritance. Paul, after he preached for over two years to the uh, people at Ephesus, gathered the elders together. And in Acts chapter 20, verse 32, he said, I commend you to God and the word of his grace, which is able to give you, build you up, and give you an inheritance. The word of God's grace will build you up, and it will give you an inheritance. Amen? I thank God for the grace of God. Amen? The grace of God has made me realize and uh, receive a number of things that I believe God for for years. And when you get a revelation of grace, it'll change you. But God's serious about you receiving your inheritance. Now, if we go back to jo uh, Joshua chapter 1, verse 6 through 8, it talks about the process of life. And he says, number one, you need to meditate the word of God. Did you know the word meditate when you study it there in Joshua chapter 1 and Psalms chapter 1? It is the Hebrew word hagah, and it means to utter, to mutter, to ponder, to think, to dream, to imagine. And you know what? You need to get a picture from the word of God about what God wants for you, about where God wants you to go, what God wants you to do, what God wants you to have, about who you are. Amen? And you need to accept the word of God over the word of the world. Some of you have had terrible words spoken over you. Amen? Judy's sitting back here. Judy was, they spoke a word over her uh, March 1st this year and that she had only three weeks to live and, and she was full of cancer and there wasn't anything that they could do. They said, listen, we could give you all these treatments. We could do surgery. It wouldn't do nothing. You're going to die. And Judy is as healed as she can be running around here. I saw her just worshiping God, glorifying God. Amen, but you don't need to accept that. You know, when I moved here to Colorado Springs in the year 2001, 
I went to six banks before I found a banker that would loan me the money for a house. And we had 50% down. And I was working with this realtor for a little bit, and she took me over in the southwest side of the city, sat me across the uh, desk from her banker, with the, which is this woman. And this woman sat over there and looked at my last few years of 1040s and said, why, you can't even afford to buy a lot in this school district, let alone a house. Well, I went to six before I found one, and this guy said, I'll prove your income another way. And you know what? I bought a house in D12, and we moved over there by... Um, Shine Mountain High School. And then I bought a house in the downturn in D20 that I still own. And then I, I bought a house in D11 that I live in. It's worth about four times what I paid for it, three or four times. Amen. And then I bought an office building up in Monument while I was looking for this church. And I built the church. We had no people and no money to start almost nothing. And we built the church over in Elkton, praise God. And then we built this, we got this church and turned it into a church. And everything that you see is debt-free. And it's a miracle of God. And you know, we're not stopping here. Praise God. And we have a setback once in a while. Sometimes things don't go our way. Sometimes it takes a few years to get it straightened out. But I listen, I'm persistent. And I don't quit believing. So I just keep believing God no matter what it looks like, no matter. I just keep believing God. Amen. And I keep acting on the word, but you got to meditate the word. And you got to. And when this banker sat over there and told me that I couldn't afford to buy a lot in this school district, let alone a house, number one, God had spoken to me. And number two, Cecil and Lisa Paxton, who knew nothing about it, had confirmed it by a word of prophecy and told us that we needed to pursue what God put in our heart because it was good for our family and good for the church. And I knew that this was God. And so I just said, listen, if I couldn't do it, I wouldn't be here. Barbara said I turned beet red. I kind of sit up in my chair. Barbara said I totally embarrassed her. Listen, I wasn't trying to embarrass my wife. I wasn't trying to be rude. It would appear that I was rude. I wasn't trying, but you know what? The picture on, on the inside of me was different than the picture. She was looking at my 1040s, and I was looking at the Word of God. I was looking at what God said. And, and because I, I was meditating on the Word of God, and you know, you may have been given a, a report by a doctor that you're going to die. You know, a few years ago, 10 years ago, I was 49 years old, and I, I, was, I had this sharp pain in my leg at the night, and I thought, man, I have pulled a muscle. And you know what? It got worse and worse. And after about six or eight weeks, I was dragging my leg like this. It was actually this leg I was dragging. And Barbara said, you are going to the doctor today. And I made you an appointment. And so I, I went in to see this. I call him a vitamin doctor. He's a vitamin, does a lot of health stuff. You know, he's a strong believer. And I said, hey, could you got some natural thing we can do to help? He's like, listen, this is weird because runners don't get blood clots, but I think you got a blood clot, and I want you to go get this ultrasound. I had this great big deductible on me, and sure still do. Barbara and I got a $12,000 deductible. So I'm not planning on using it, by the way. Amen? But, and if you got less, well, I don't care. Just do, do what's best for you. I've got good friends that have different things because that's the best for them. But that's what we had. And so the doctor said, you better get an ultrasound because I could do this in MRI, but it'll cost you a lot more money. So I went in for an ultrasound that afternoon and they were looking at me and 
I'm laying on the table and they go down my leg and this girl just stops. She goes out and gets this other guy and he looks at it. And they're like, your main vein is clotted from your groin clear to your foot. All your little veins in your foot are completely, there is no blood in your main vein. Don't move. And they went and tried to get a hold of the doctor and they couldn't. So they, they said, you go to the emergency room. And it was snowing. It was in the end of January or February. And they said, go up to Memorial North because the downtown will be a mess. And so I'm driving. It's snowing. I said, can I go home first? They said, no, you go straight to the hospital, straight to the emergency room. And they called the doctor head and sent that stuff up there. And, and then they sent me with the CD picture of all this. And I go up there, and while I'm going, I'm thinking, my friends that get blood clots, they make them go to the hospital, they make them stay a week. And I'm like, God, I don't want to go to the hospital, and I don't want to have to stay. Get me what I need to get, and get me out of here. Amen? So I go and see this doctor, and he's looked at the stuff, and he's like, listen, this didn't happen overnight. It ain't going nowhere. You can... You go get the medication. I'm going to check your blood if it's all good with this medication. And he sent me to King Supers that's close to my house. And I went over there and I had to take this, you know, they want to put me on rat poison. Wafers, rat poison. Right, Coumadin, wafers, same thing, rat poison. Okay, but if you take it in limited doses, it can help you if you got blood issues. And I had blood issues, major, right? Life-threatening. And they had, and you got to go on these shots first. And I said, well, I can give my self-shots. I've given horses shots. And so it was $500 for the shot, so I negotiated with them. Because <laughs> I got to pay that out of my pocket. I got it to 300 and gave myself some shots. <laughs> praise God. And I was on blood thinner for five years, and praise God. Anyway, you know what? You got to do what you got to do, but I'm still believing that I'm healthy and strong, and by Jesus' stripes, I'm healed, but you got to do what you got to do in the meantime. And don't be stupid. Because I've seen some stupid Christians that thought they had faith and they didn't. They put them in the grave. And I buried them. And I didn't want to. And they didn't, some of them didn't have to die. Because they're stupid. Amen? Don't be stupid. All right? If you need some help, get some help, baby. Take care of your body. Barbara's like, you change the oil in your car. Why don't you take care of your physical temple too, Okay? All right, so I, listen, I, I love doctors. If it wasn't for doctors, I'd have been dead long ago. When I was four years old, or not four, I was in fourth grade. I was like 10. I had this problem. My parents were gone. I swelled up, gained a whole bunch of weight, was urinating blood. My doctor and Lamar didn't know what to do, so they sent me to Pueblo. My parents drive up there in their little VW, and we get up there, and this Italian doctor comes in, and the nurse took my blood pressure like three times and looked real weird and she went over and talked to the doctor and he came over and took my blood pressure he grabbed my parents and took them out of the room and he said listen by every medical reason he should be dead right now go get a hotel room and pray and you know I had a kidney disease and they said I should never get over it but I got completely over it and got completely ill and we didn't know nothing that we know today so listen I'm not against doctors hallelujah I probably would have been dead if it wasn't for doctors amen or two or three Amen? And if you need help, get help. Take care of your body. But listen, I believe the Bible. I believe the Word of God. And no matter what I got to deal with, you got to deal with. But at the same point in time, I am not negating my faith. You see what I'm saying? So as you meditate the Word, you begin to see differently. You begin to see yourself prosperous. You begin to see yourself possessing what God wants you to possess. You begin to see yourself healthy, healed, and strong and well. 
You know, I had a doctor when I was like 14, I'd hurt my back. He told me that I had curvature of the sp spine and I had scoliosis. He told me you can't irrigate and you can't stack hay and you can't do this and you can't. I said, doc, he was a spirit filled guy. I said, listen, I'm leaving here today and I'm not coming back. And I went in a few years later, I was carrying this piano upstairs of the church and I was on the bottom end and there was a, a up the stairs and it was a console piano and there's a big oil field guy on the top end and all the way and I hurt my back really bad this is a spirit filled you know chiropractor and I went in to see him he said well you're doing really good <laughs> he agreed with what I listen I ran I went running this morning I ran three and a half miles this morning on a treadmill if you got back problems you can't do that I've hurt my back so bad in the back that I've had, that I've had on the back of my back, I have had spots of, that were blue and purple from the pr problems on the inside of my back. And I never went to a doctor. I just believed God and got healed. But if you're not there and you need a doctor, go to a doctor. Do what you got to do to take care of yourself. But keep, you see what I'm saying? That does not negate the word of God. Keep believing the Bible. Keep believing the word of God. And so did you know what? I believe what the word says. Praise God. And because I believe it, I, I meditate on it. I think by Jesus stripes, I'm healed. He sent his word and healed me and delivered me from my destructions. The same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in me and quickens my mortal body. I'm healthy and strong and doing the will of God. Amen. I, I just constantly, that's the way I think. There's some stuff I've had to deal with along the way. The devil's tried to kill me a few times, but he lost. Amen. And I've had a few chances to go broke, but I just keep passing them up. And when the devil has a major heyday and I have a major loss, you know what? I just, I just take that and I said, you know what? If the thief be found, he's got to repay seven times. We had a blizzard in 2004. In the winter of 2004, 2005, I lost over a quarter million dollars. And you know what? I got it back seven times because I just used it as a club and beat the devil over the head. Keep believing that I'm prospering and God is with me. Amen? What I'm saying is you face some challenges, but you meditate the Word, and, and when you meditate the Word, you can't help say some things sometimes. And you need to say what God says about you. Praise God, and that is, you know what? That's not stupid, that's faith. That's how faith works. When you believe, you speak. Right? So as you meditate the Word, you speak the Word, and then you act on the Word. See, your dominant thoughts direct your language. Your language, your speech directs your action, and your action directs what you receive. And Joshua says, when you meditate the word, this book of the law will not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Joshua 1, verse 8, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then you will make your way prosperous. There's no way it won't work for you. It's so simple, you have to complicate it. Then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. God wants you to have good success. And if you'll believe the word, it'll work for you just like it works for me, just like it works for Brother Jesse, just like it works for Andrew, just like it works for anybody else because God is no respecter of persons. He is only a respecter of faith. Amen? So that's the process. As you meditate, you know, number one, you meditate the word, but here's another thing. I love Psalm 1, verse 1 through 3. It says, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. A lot of times you're just thinking like the world thinks, nor stands in the way of sinners. You start standing around unbelieving people. 
nor sits in the seat of the scornful. You start sitting down where people are scorning you. But his delight is in the word of God. And in it does he meditate day and night. He will be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. Amen? You meditate the word. And did you know what? You can't help but change the way you think and change what you begin to receive, the direction you're going, and you're going to prosper. That's what the Bible says. Amen? Hallelujah. When you meditate the word, it changes what you changes what you believe and changes what you do and changes what you receive. That's just that's the process of life. I love this. When you meditate on God, Psalm 104, verse 34 says, My meditation of him shall be sweet. I'm thinking about God and I'm thinking good. Hallelujah. God is good to me. Amen. So that's the process of life. What you meditate is what you speak, is what you do, is what you receive. That's just how it works. Proverbs says this in Proverbs 4, verse 20, My son, attend to my word. Give ear to my saying. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart for their life unto those who find them and health to all thy flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Amen, that's the process of life. That's just how it works. It's so simple. You got to complicate it with unbelief so you don't receive it. Amen? The second thing is not only is this the process of life, you need to speak words of life. Your mouth, your words have power. Proverbs 18 verse 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat the fruit of it. The words you speak have the power of life and they have the power of death. They have the power to bless. They have the power to curse. They have the power to prosper. They have the power to cause poverty. They have the power to heal. They have the power to cause sickness. Your words have authority. Your mouth. Listen to what Proverbs says. I'm going to read you a few scriptures really quick. Proverbs 10, 11 says, The mouth of the righteous man is a well of life. Verse 13 says, The lips of him who has understanding are, are wisdom. Proverbs 10, 21 says, The lips of the righteous feed many. Proverbs 10, 31 says, The mouth of the just brings forth wisdom. Proverbs 12, 6 says, The mouth of the upright shall deliver them. Proverbs 12, 14 says, You'll be satisfied with mouth by the good, by the fruit of your mouth. Proverbs 13, 2 says, You'll eat good by the fruit of your mouth. Proverbs 13, 3 says, He who keeps his mouth keeps his life. Proverbs 14, 3 says, The lips of the wise preserve them. Proverbs 15, 2 says, The tongue of the wise uses knowledge in a right way. Proverbs 15, 23 says, Man has joy by the answer of his mouth. A word spoken in due season, how good it is. Proverbs 16, 23 says, The heart of the wise teaches his mouth. Proverbs 18, 20 says, A man's belly will be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth, and with the increase of his lips he will be filled. Proverbs 21, 23 says, He who keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps his soul from trouble. Proverbs 31, 26 about a virtuous woman says she opens her mouth with wisdom and in her tongue is the law of kindness. There are many in there that are as negative as those are positive. I just left out all the negative ones. But death and life are in the power of your tongue. 
right? Your words direct your life. Turn with me to James chapter 3. In James chapter 3, it says this in verse 2, For in many things we offend all. If a man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. He says if you can control your tongue, you can control your whole body. He says, we behold, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Yesterday, Aaron and Heather celebrated both Fisher and Ada's birthday, and they had kind of a Wild West birthday, and they asked some folks in, in the church that drive up from Lahana if they could buy some bales of hay. They said, well, why don't we just bring you some bales of hay, and why don't we bring you a horse, and we'll have pony rides for everybody. So they brought a real nice, pretty, you know, 12-and-a-half or 13-hand pony, and, you know, all the kids were getting to ride the horse. Aaron's best friend from high school married a Filipino girl. And she had rode an elephant, but she never rode a horse. So she got to ride the horse. Ada, you know, she was so happy riding the horse and she was smiling. I mean, they were just having a great time. Praise God. It was a great, you know, it's awesome. But, you know, you can take a 50-pound a, a child and put them on a 1,200-pound stud horse, and that 50-pound child can control that entire 1,200-pound stud horse with a six-inch bit. Your words direct your life. He says your words are like the rudder in a ship that turns the whole ship around. You get a ship moving, just a little rudder will turn that thing 180 degrees, clear around. Praise God. He says your words are like a spark that sets on fire the course of nature. They're set on the fire of hell. You can change your life by changing the words that you speak. Your words direct your life. Your words release your faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13 says, We then having the same spirit of faith. That word spirit's not talking about your spirit. It's talking about a major attitude of faith. Do you know what Pastor Lawson has? He's got a major attitude. It's a major attitude of faith. You know, when I talk back sometimes to people, when I talk back to the banker or talk back to the doctor or talk back, right, it's because I got a major attitude of faith because they're saying something that doesn't agree with what God says. I have a man that I've known for over 30 years, and about 30 years ago, he went into the doctor, and they told him, you have MS, and all this stuff's going to happen. He said, doctor, I don't have MS, and I'm not coming back, and my witness to you is true today. He doesn't have a bit of MS in his body because he took authority with the words of his mouth. We having the same spirit of faith is according as it's written, I believed and therefore I've spoken. We also believe and speak. So sometimes I can't help say some things because I believe some things at a heart level. Amen. Jesus said this is how faith works in Mark 11 verse 22. He said, have faith in God, for verily I say unto you, whoever will say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say to you, whatever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive it, and you shall have it. Whatever things you desire. What do you desire? Faith works for whosoever, and it works on whatsoever. What do you want? 
Don't say what you see, say what you want. Say what you believe. Say what God says about you. Say what God says about the situation. Say what God says. Say, by his stripes I am healed. I am strong and healthy and doing the will of God. The same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead lives in me and brings life and health and strength to my mortal body, to my physical body. I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. He restores health to me. Say, I'm prosperous. I'm blessed by the Most High God, the possessor of heaven and earth. I'm blessed going in. I'm blessed coming out. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed in the fruit of my body. I'm blessed in my mind. I'm blessed in my spirit. I'm blessed, hallelujah, in my refrigerator, in my bank account. I'm blessed. The Lord commands his blessing on me. My enemies come against me one way, and they run seven ways. I have so much increase. I have too much. I have to take it and share it with the nations of the world. The blessing of the Lord is coming on me and making me rich. Every need I have is supplied according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I have everything I need to do everything God called me to do. I have no lack in any area of my life. I am blessed by the most high God. Wealth and riches are in my house. The seed of the righteous is blessed. Increase comes my way. Everything I do, everywhere I go is blessed in the name of Jesus. I love you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.